1: TheChairShot.com Always use your head
2: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the 5 Rounds Podcast The other podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds I am Mags and with me today, stranger um, Hasn't been on the show for about oh
3: six months Uh, Carlos, Carlos how are you? I'm not dead so that's a good thing, um, good to be back, just been busy, uh, doing my second semester of my year two um, Yeah, just been cracking on with some stuff behind the scenes, so yeah. thought I'd jump on this one especially with the car that we've we'll just had, but well, happy to be back
2: Yeah, so uh, we've just finished watching UFC 271 from Houston headlined by uh, the middleweight title match Israel Adesanya taking on Robert Whitaker for the second time uh, but before we get there, let's get through these uh, prelims. So we started the night with uh, William Knight picking up the decision against Maxim Grishin in the heavyweights. Then we had uh, Jeremiah Wells uh, picking up the, the win against uh, Blood Diamond, a.k.a. aka Mark Mathea. Uh, then we went to um, Douglas uh, Silva de Andrade getting the sub against Sergei Morozov. Uh, AJ Dobson then got the decision in the middleweights against Jacob uh, Malkoon And um, we finished these early prelims off with another decision. This time, Ronnie Lawrence gained the, 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 the rub against uh, Mana Martinez. Going into the, the, the televised um, prelims, we actually were meant to get uh, Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell, but that, that fight got cancelled pretty late on. So we then got uh, in the lightweight, Carlos Ulberg taking on Fabio Chirant, uh, Carlos picked up the decision. Kyla uh, Phillips got their third round submission against Marcelo Rojo, and then two, uh, two more decisions. One, Roxanne uh, uh, Montefiore Madif- uh, Madif- in her last ever MMA fight, unfortunately getting the uh, the loss to Casey O'Neil. Uh, Casey's staying unbeaten, but a lot of controversy in these two fights because one of the judges, who was relatively new to judging, um, I don't think he's ever watched MMA before because he gave uh, he gave the the, the fight to uh, Roxanne when it was clearly Casey won the fight. Yeah, and um, even, uh, didn't
3: even have the, the comments would say he take a little
2: bit of Michael out of that. Yeah, and he, he did it again two fights in a row because he did exactly the same thing for Arlovsky versus uh, Jared Vanderau. Der um, clearly uh, dominated in that, in that decision picture, but then again, the, the same judge... Uh, gave the gave the part to uh, to Jared Vanderell. Really weird decision making.
3: It's mental. though with uh, with, with Roxanne Marifera. I know before the event, obviously when uh, I came and he said to you with well, Roxanne Marifera when she made her debut at uh, Casey only were only six year old. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple more stuff like like that popped up. Rhonda Rousey we yet to make her, like a qualified you know for the Olympic team. She we yet to even do anything. Um, uh, like that, Nunes were, e- were not even training to, to be a professional fighter um, or anything like that. And, uh, uh, there were another one, what were it, oh yeah, Ioanniu Andrzejczyk only just started training in Muay when she met a when Roxanne Madaferi uh, started a, a professional debut in Mixed Martial Arts, yeah, which yeah. is absolutely mental when you think about it. It's, a word gets
2: tosses, tossed around uh, saying like legend and trailblazer. Uh, Roxanne Malpharia is the epitome of, of those for for women's MMA. Yes, yeah, she may not be the biggest known, uh, she may not be the biggest draw or uh, make the biggest uh, amount of money, but what she's the path she's laid for other female MMA fighters um it will never never be
3: forgotten. no oh, absolutely. Not. She's um she's a, definitely will go in the the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Don't. Absolutely. So we uh we have five fights on this uh on this main card started uh with Bobby Green versus Nasraq Hack and One thing I did notice all the way through this main card is that a lot of people have been
3: cupping, uh, recently. i was thinking that. It it's it literally seemed like you every fight or I saw like one of the in the fart one of the farters at least for cupping
2: yeah i mean for those who who don't know cupping is where you essentially um get a glass or or some sort of circular um like instrument you put it on your skin and and essentially you heat up the air inside the glass and it draws your skin into it uh it's, it's meant to draw out bad blood uh like, um essentially dirty blood. Um a lot of kind of pseudo science behind it. But yeah, it just seemed that a lot of fighters this month were were doing some uh were doing some cupping. But getting into the fight, um a lot of uh, bad blood in this fight before we even uh, we even touch gloves. Um don't know how it stemmed because both guys are uh and uh, normally um pretty kind of I wouldn't say calm in terms of Bobby Green. I think he's a very uh, energetic guy but they are normally pretty respectful so I don't know where the the disrespect come from uh, but in terms of, of, of the fight um, this was all Bobby Green and seeing as you've been away for such a long time Carlos, uh, yeah, give us the lowdown on this fight
3: well the lowdown on this fight especially with them uh, going at each other near enough straight away uh, Nasrat being the younger fighter Bobby Green being in, in the UFC since what 2013 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um He's He's been there a long time, so I know it's right, he's got the opinion on him that like he's got uh, a point to prove. So I think he, leading up to the fight, he's been mouthing off a little bit, Bobby Green's took that like he's a little bit disrespectful. And he's he just come in and put on an absolute masterclass in boxing. And when I speak about boxing, I'm not on about going and, and talking about uh, Tars and Fury, I... It, it just imagine if Canelo was able to cross over to mixed martial arts, and you was able to see the slipping and the slip ways he was able to move and counter uh, Nasrat's punches. And uh, it were absolutely beautiful. Nasrat wasn't able to make a clean connection. Every single shot he threw, even though it might have been hitting the shoulder or hitting the chin, it was just barely grazing off him. Just with the movement of uh, Bobby Green, uh, but the angles, it was it was hitting him uh, with the shots. I think. He hit him 100 a th- significant he threw like three hundred shots. Three hundred shots in i in, in a like 100 shot a minute basically mm-hmm. and the, the angles he was hitting Nasrat, he was he hitting him every single time. Um and Nazrat had his, his guard up, which was the the most amazing thing when you when you look at it. Now that's guards up, so in equals it should have been harder to hit him in the face. And Bobby Green wasn't even going for the body or or the leg kicks. He only started doing that later, later, later on uh, in the fight when he basically got bored of punching Nasrat right in the face. But yeah, the, other than describing it as a, a proper one-way fight on Bobby Green's part, mm-hmm. he, he did yeah an absolute boxing performance. And again, if, if you want to learn some boxing skills. Go and watch that fight. He'll teach you a
2: finger too. Yeah, and it's not like um, Nazra is a, a can. He's uh, he went in, into into this part with a, a pretty decent uh, win streak on on the go, uh, but Bobby Green just absolutely outclassed him a really dominant performance. And like I said, his his boxing was was on fire. Uh, the way it was laser point getting that jab through the the guard multiple times, um, and even when um, when and uh, Nazrat was getting his own shots they just didn't seem to be doing any damage whatsoever so when Nazrat was pushing forward Bobby Green was still backing up and, and still peppering um Nazrat with, with punches it was just uh, like I said a, a masterclass in in a boxing performance a uh, great victory and uh, yeah and, um is is pushing to make a big name for himself in in that light, lightweight division. Uh, whether that will translate to a title match, uh, who knows? We've got a few big lightweight title matches coming up in the next few weeks. so uh, let's just see how uh, how this road treats Bobby Green. But after that, we are uh, we go um, to another light, lightweight match. This time, Alexander Hernandez going into this fight. I think five win uh, five wins on the bounce, taking on uh, Renato Moicano. And what a performance by, by Renato! Just so so dominant. Hernandez obviously looks like he's absolutely chiselled out of granite. Um, started pretty fresh as well, uh, landing uh, uh, some some high kicks. Uh, but Mike just knew what he, he knew what his game plan had to be. He, uh, he he really started kind of turning up the pace very very quickly. Goes for the the, the fainted uh, takedown. And then goes for for the uppercuts. He knew that he was going to eat some leg kicks and was was able to um, to to grab one of those ones that uh, landed to the body and and again attempt for the takedown. It's He's just Mike uh just dynamism uh, in terms of uh, wrestling and mixing up with with uh, with the striking. Just really kept the pressure. Half uh, for, uh, for this fight against uh, Hernandez gave him a lot to think about in that first round. Uh, in the second round, came out on fire. Lands shots pretty early. Uh, Hernandez does try to answer back, but then uh, gets sucked into into a tar clinch uh, Gets a couple of knees. Um, when Hernandez is able to break free, uh, Mike carno lands some shots on the way out. Um, and as Hernandez was trying to kind of regather his thoughts. He gets uh, hit with a, a knee, falls to for the to the cage, um, and Mike Arno instantly saw the, saw his, his opening. Went for the back, got that rear naked choke. And the most impressive thing with me, for me was was the performance was great, but the way he uh, he riled up the um, Dana White in the in the in the post uh, post fight uh, interview with uh, with DC. Saying he's he's finished. People uh, in less than a minute, still not got any kind of win bonus. He wants to. Uh, he's got kids to feed. He wants, He's got to live to live, uh, which is just absolutely brilliant. But what a performance by
3: Renato carno. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, another guy who's been in the UFC for a long, long time, um, and one of them again. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, hardcore fans will know will know his name will know his background, uh, uh, wins, losses, back and forth, never really been on one set pathway, but when it comes to finishes, his rear naked choke is one of the best, mm-hmm. he knows how to, as soon as you as a fighter give him that, that option to, to to take you back and get that rear naked choke in, uh, Renato Minacaro um, uh, is one of the best uh, fighters to be able to do that, and uh in a way, I sort of feel sorry for uh, Hernandez, cause when I was watching the fight, he wasn't doing anything wrong in particular. When it on the on the feet, the kickboxing, I feel with a better boxer, yeah, uh, Ricardo has one of them sort of slow sort of punchy movements where it's because he punches slow. You, you sometimes think with them sort of fighters, oh well, uh, I can time him better. I'll be able to. I'll be able to move out the way because they don't hit as fast as uh, as other fighters or as uh, training partners that you train with. But because they do have that slow rate of punching instead of like uh, a snappy fast one, you miss. You sometimes can miss jabs that uh, distance and, and the timing of going right. I need to move out the way. And uh, as we seen with the uppercut, where he, he hit him the first time and then uh, Hernandez was like, oh. I should have moved out of the way. That hit me. That was the slowest punch in the world. And then the second one, it was, he moved out of the way just in time and it was like, ah, I'm starting to time the distance here. And then he got just, in a way, a bit uh, a bit sloppy. But again, it wasn't really uh, something that he made a mistake. He went in on, on the attack. He, he landed two of his own good shots just before getting clipped. And that's just the nature of the game. Sometimes that's the risk of, of, of what can happen when you do go in on your opponent, but if you don't go in on your opponent, you just end up getting picked apart at distance, especially with a guy who's got a long reach like uh, Renato. Yep, absolutely.
2: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro
1: wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShop.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health.
2: So going into the middle of this card and uh, um, a fight that um, was essentially a setup for per- perhaps the next contender for the winner of the main event, uh, Derek Brunson and uh, Jared Cannoneer in the middleweight uh, division, ranked three and four respectively. Uh, Brunson's had a, an amazing run recently, just finishing uh, opponents left, right and centre and canoneer's Always, always dangerous. Um, and it looked in the first round that perhaps it was going to go Brunson's way. Uh, obviously, he has that heavy wrestling base. Um, he was able to um, to pin Callender up against the, the against the cage. And whilst Canonier was incredibly flexible, I mean, one of his uh, one of his feet was essentially touching the tucking <laughs> the back of his neck for, for for a long period of that uh, for for that round. But um, Brunson was able to to get that wrestling in, uh, able to to uh, essentially get some control on the ground just to give Canonier a, a lot to think about. But when when we, you're talking on on the feet, Canonier was was much more uh, dangerous, uh, able to to uh, to clip uh, Brunson a couple of times. That's not to say that Brunson hasn't got power as well because he actually uh, uh, knocks Cannonier kind of down on, in this first round um, and it looked like we were going to, um, it was going to be a long, long day at the office for Karnier. Uh When we get to the, uh, the, the end of the round, though, uh, Brunson rushes in to, to get the, uh, uh, the control on the ground uh, and Karnier, um, is almost ends up uh, tapping out. Because he uh, he's uh, sucking into the, the rear naked choke, uh, but calmly knew that the clock was winding down. Just uh, just held his composure and and survived. Um, totally different, uh, totally different outcome in, in the second round though. Jeez, as wept. Uh, Brunson wanted to kind of uh, build on that momentum from from the first round. Um, uh um uh, essentially uh, tries to fo- force his way from uh the-, the takedown, ends up back on his feet, uh lands some uh some good shots. Um the the end comes after there's a little bit of trading on on, on the feet, uh Cadenet landing some kicks, Brunson landing some kicks, Brunson attempting to go for takedowns uh, over and over again uh but the the finish comes when Kanania, uh lands a beautiful elbow um and then on the way out lands a backhanded punch which is just fucking glorious a beautiful shot um that that uh, essentially uh puts um puts um Brunson in a lot of danger ends up getting swarmed goes to the ground uh Kanania puts him asleep with a uh, with some brutal, brutal shots and yeah, great result for here for and he shouted his shot out uh, to, to Dana White, saying he wants that next title shot
3: uh, I don't think you can deny him that title shot, he <laughs> definitely hurt uh, it going, going back to the, the first round, uh, you summed it up perfectly but then at the end of the round when you were saying you were able to keep his composure that's what we don't see a lot of, especially, and, and there's a couple of things in this fight that we don't see a lot of in mixed martial arts, uh, especially in the UFC uh, when he when he was it with that rear naked choke psychologically he knew if he if he panicked he was more than likely going to get finished. Not only with the ten seconds uh, on the clock he knew just to keep himself calm, keep them breaths in, uh, don't don't be struggling, don't be scrambling. He has no reason to. He doesn't really have the neck. It's he, slightly on the chin. And the good thing about Cannon here is he used to fight to heavyweight, mm-hmm. so. He's been able to stand and bang with heavyweights, whether fighting in the UFC or in sparring. So this guy is a strong guy. Now coming down at middleweight, two whole weight classes, and and just basically being pure muscle, especially dropping all the body fat uh, mass to being able to fight uh, at, med- at uh, middleweight coming from heavyweight. So then that you were saying going into round two, Brunson. Uh, Personally, for me, he should have made this fight a little bit more boring. This should have been trying to get kind of near, up against the cage and, and lean him up there and just take down after take down after take down. Take down after take down after take down. Made it to where, initially, to where the the, the fans are, are bored, booing. It's sometimes a horrible way to win your fight, but when you've got a guy as as strong and as... Uh, and, I'm going to say vicious but not as in vicious as in like uh, the guy wants to kill you just more of his he's got some serious power behind his hands so once he hits you you know about it and with Brunson, he's been on a tear with this new blonde Brunson uh, especially in his last what four or five performances um, so he, he, obviously he's got a little bit of confidence on him being 30 odd years of age he knows that this was his last push for me he made the mistake of of just not wrestling, not using what he is best at enough. He, would, he allowed um, Canonier to push him away and, and be able to take little bits to centre stage and, and get them big shots. So even though when he, when he started to get a little bit uh, wild on the shots, because he knew inevitably after two shots he's going to try and grab my leg. Because that's exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. In the second round, he, he grabbed the leg and, and took him down straight away, which was absolutely perfect. But he should have carried on that pressure straight away. The first round, the second round, and so on. But as we've seen, Jenny, uh, Gerald Cananea uh, put a stamp on on that fart Just what he needed to uh, to do and say, listen, this is the performance I can do against this against this kind of fighter. What do you reckon I can do against whoever won the main event? Exactly. Um, but before we
2: get to that main event we've got a, a core main event to, to talk about. Um two of the most popular fighters in the in the heavyweight division, hometown boy uh Derek Lewis, obviously coming off um um the 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 disappointment of not being able to win the title last time he was in Houston, um trying to make amends going up against Tar uh Tuvasa. Uh, a fighter who's uh Who's slowly but surely raised those rankings and, and has become a massive, massive fan favorite just because of, of, his just never said attitude, his uh, his shoeies. I know, mean, yeah,
3: just his shoeies alone. Yeah,
2: everything about him. He's just he's just um, such a, a just such a cool guy. Um, and this this fight was essentially kind of like the the last fight this was lining up who may be next for for a title shot um i think uh ty going into this fight was ranked number three Derek lewis was no uh, no
3: no we weren't tower ranked number 11. oh, oh
2: yeah uh, ty, i mean Derek lewis was ranked number three uh tower was looking for to to like climb that rankings and what a, a fight we got uh you're not going to get technical um, BJJ from these two guys. Although we did actually see a little bit of, a, of that uh, uh, amateur wrestling base that, that Derek Lewis talks about, but never really has to show anything uh, um, of. Um, but this was standing and banging. Um, multiple times in this first round, uh, I honestly thought that Taitavaz would been knocked clean out because he was just getting hit with some huge shots. But his attitude is, uh, when I get hit, I hit back. He doesn't, he doesn't curl up into a ball, he doesn't uh, go for the defence, he just throws fists back. And there were multiple times when in the first round, Tar landed some huge, huge shots. Uh, both these guys' chins were just absolutely phenomenal. Um, for me, I think Lewis um, took the first round just because his shots were doing clearly more damage. Uh, and then he, you threw in the, 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 the wrestling and the trips up against the, the cage. Um, Lewis was, was certainly the more dominant in that first round. Um, second round, totally different story. Um, Lewis uh, started to miss a lot more of his shots. Tar started to kind of uh, slip uh, a lot more of Lewis's shots. Um, Lewis did land a couple of nice combinations, uh, making Tar back up against the cage, which uh, leads into a clinch. Lewis' uh, attempts for another trip um, in, in a sense that they, they break away and both just start... I mean, you would have thought that this was the fifth round in a in a in a fight that was really close. They just started standing and banging at each other. Uh, both guys landing some huge, huge shots. Uh, but Ty c- catches uh, Lewis with, a, with an elbow clean as you like. And Lewis essentially fell asleep in slow motion. You could see the arms drop, the head started tucking, and then he face-planted into the into the octagon. What a finish by As a walk-away finish, and the biggest win
3: of his UFC career by a mile. Oh, definitely. Definitely his biggest win. Um... Coming from rank number eleven and getting a win over the rank number three, and not only rank number three, but Derek Lewis, the king of knockouts in the UFC, thirteen knockouts, the most knockouts in the UFC, and you were able to come in and overcome the storm in the first round, and being able to put on that spectacular performance and knock Derek Lewis out and put your name in that position of going right. This is definitely our next title contender. Obviously, with the, the way uh, Francis B, Cyril Garn, I don't see why Cyril gets a rematch. I know there's not been anything said about that on the U.S. part, but when it comes to groups of people speaking about mixed martial arts, it has been there. but again, I don't see in that part where Cyril Garn had any sort of argument of value to, to get a rematch, so... It's of to being able to come out and beat Derek Lewis the way he did. To me, he's just took that next that next title uh, shot. Mm-hmm. So, and and then going going on uh, going on to that uh, Derek Lewis man, fighting in your your hometown twice and getting two losses. I think the guy should just stop fighting in Houston for a bit. <laughs> uh, it's one of them. I know it. It sounds weird, and I'm, and I'm not taking it piss. It's just when some fighters have the the lucky routines, uh, what they do to to get some stuff. And uh, the, superstitions. I, I, yeah, and I, I, for my personally, I, my one of my superstitions for him is him fighting in his own town. It's, it's twice now, and it's. And it's not people can't even say it's the pressure because Derek Luce has been in so many different fights with so many big names and so many different stages where pressure to him is 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 white noise. It's second nature, it doesn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it just comes down to just farting and Derek Luce is one of the best in that in in that division. He he can knock anybody out on a good day. But when it comes to him farting in Houston, he—I don't know—he just the luck is just not on his side. But in this, it's a perfect example. In this fight, he was dominating throughout round one, and even throwing in his own wrestling, like you were saying, and it still managed to not go his way. Yep. In Houston, um, you just start to feel sorry for the guy, because again, it's one of them where he didn't do nothing wrong. This is the heavyweight division—you've got two hundred and and 20 plus pound guys are uh, throwing leather at each other especially when you've got the biggest two biggest hitters in the division someone's going to sleep and just unfortunately had to be Derek Luce in front of his own town again Yeah and I was talking with uh,
2: with uh um Fam Ray Cash uh, who's also a Houston guy and yeah he, he said pretty much the same that Derek just Seems to struggle in front of that that Houston crowd, which is a shame because he's he's such a, such a, a nice guy. Seems to be like a uh, no airs and graces about him. He, and I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll say in the in the post um, uh, fight interviews uh, just he'll, he'll tell the truth about this fight how it didn't go all his his way. Um, but yeah, um, maybe. Step away from from Houston for a little bit.
3: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. That's nothing like. That's not me saying that. Oh, Houston's probably a shit place to be fighting. This is coming from a fighter's point of view, who, <laughs> who not only is a trainer and a fighter himself, but who also um, helps other trainers, especially with the the unicorns and over the sports and exercise. Getting to train with a lot of different sort of athletes and a lot of them are fighters. And it's just a superstition that a lot of fighters have. They don't like to fart in their own town. It's just. And, and yeah, uh, I know I just said tech added pressure out of uh, Derek Lewis's case because it, it, it's second nature. But it, it, in this case, yeah, it's it's among the pressure. And then not only that, it's you've got more of you are fighting in front of you, your family, and you, your routines are all messed up. Even traveling times, you're fighting not in your in your own town. Your traveling time could be two hours, whereas your travel you're fighting in your own town. It could be fifteen minutes. In your mind, you're like. Shit, what's going on here? That's, I'm usually, that can start throwing you off. So, it's, it's, it's a lot of different stuff in far as ours that can, that, yeah, it's just superstitions. Like, yeah, we could do a full podcast on it. Yeah, but uh, we haven't got the
2: time or inclination for that. So. Promotional consideration paid for by the following Hey, folks,
0: PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's
3: angrylemonade.net.
2: So let's talk about this uh, this main event, the rematch of um, uh, Robert Whittaker and Israel Adesanya. Um, Carl, I know this is a fight you've been looking forward to for a, for a long, long time. Is is one of your one of your boys. So, yeah, why don't you uh, run us through this
3: fight? This fight was... I did, it basically went as I expected it to I knew we wasn't going to see a spectacular knockout like it was the first time these two uh, like Whitaker said it, it, in the end uh, the, it, everyone knows that them two are the best in that division oh Wh- Whitaker was able to come back uh, and win three, uh, three good performances over top contenders in the middleweight division to earn um, a rematch with Israel Adesanya. he's learned. Not to get sloppy. Even though in this fight he did get sloppy a couple of times, and luckily enough it paid out for him that he didn't get caught. He managed to catch his in a couple of times, but yeah, he's able to. He was able to overcome, go back into into his own uh, gym, study where he went wrong, and not reinvent the wheel, but make adjustments to it. Like he said in the press conference, which is a really good analogy. Uh, I think it was perfect the way he, he were able to describe it. Um, and he were able to, this time, take the fight to the distance. Israel Adesanya is still the best striker in the UFC. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Uh, technically sound fair enough in this fight, yes. He wasn't able to finish Robert Whittaker, but his striking was still smooth and pristine like it always is. Um, he wasn't able to catch Izzy with a lot of the hooks, and I think that were more... Uh, Whitaker um, slipping whilst going to the attack in rather than just leaving the head still in the middle and uh, Israel Adesanya had to like try and get a little bit of a, a adjustment to, uh, adapt to that and I think he were finding it uh, a little bit hard so he, he opened up with a lot more of the, the leg kicks and the body kicks throwing a couple of head kicks in there the head kicks wasn't quite as successful as the, the leg kicks and the leg kicks absolutely teared Robert Whitaker's lead leg up and that leg is going to be throbbing in the morning, he's not going to be able to walk on it, guarantee you that, um, but yeah, Izzy was able to, still with a long reach, seven reach advantage, is a, a heavy reach advantage, especially when you're such a high level striker and you're able to keep uh, people at distance in the first place, let alone the, the much shorter guy which Robert Whitaker um, is, but, yeah, he was still able to impress me, Did Whitaker. He was able to bring the fight uh, forward um, to Israel Adesanya. And even though it went to decision, the coaches had perfect um, had perfect uh, information to give to the fighters, especially Robert's coaches, where it's, listen, stop just using the jab. You're being too left-heavy. You need to bring that right in. When you're just doing that 1-1, you need to bring that 2 in, and that's where you're going to have success. And that's when we've seen in the 3rd, 4th and 5th, he was able to catch Israel Adesanya, he was that right hand a lot more, just by bringing it in and utilising it. Um, but what we did see after the first round when Robert Whitaker got knocked down, is that's when his coaches in the first break told him, listen, you need to relax here. Remember the first fight, that's exactly what happened, you got caught. Um, Israel Adesanya knew that, he, that in the first round uh, Whitaker was still dangerous, so he didn't rush him, which is... Um, A perfect way to just understand the development of Israel Adesanya's game. Not only is a uh, a professional kickboxer coming into mixed martial arts uh, and signing with the biggest promotion in the world to then defend your belt and then hurting the second best guy in the division and not rushing in and finishing him. Because you know at any point that guy can crack you and still hurt you. Yeah. Uh, which is perfect uh, way to say that Israel Adesanya is a well, well-rounded fighter. He it, it, it certainly
2: is, in, and I think you're, you, you're absolutely right. He may very well be the best striker in in the world. The the angles and the the positions he can can hit you from uh, defy gravity. The, the reason why it's called the last album bender because. He can do stuff that a lot of other fighters just cannot do, uh, and unfortunately for Robert Whitaker, he's in the era of, of Israel Adesanya. Any other era, he would have been he would have been a long-term uh, champion.
3: Well, that's it. He, he beats every other guy. He beats every other guy in the division, mm-hmm. but all from uh, Israel Adesanya. It's like a, it's like the case of, I know, I know he were a double weight uh, world champion, but. It's like the case of Daniel Cormier with John Jones in the lightweight division. Light heavyweight division. Daniel Cormier beat everybody else, but he just couldn't beat John Jones. Um, And uh, Robert Whittaker, that's exactly the same story right here. Robert Whittaker is the champion when Izzy's Izzy's not. Um, He beats everybody else, but he just can't beat Izzy. Izzy's just too far ahead of everybody. And it just goes to show it where... uh, And not only that... The perfect thing in this part is his takedown, uh, his takedown defense is still on point, he's still high level, which he always has been. Uh, a lot of people would have looked at his last performance with uh, uh, his, la- his other last performance, not, to, not doing this one uh, against Jan Blakovic and, and taking that and studying it, going, oh well, that's a way to beat him, then I need to take him down. But it's not as it's easy as no. it's not as easy as saying it, especially in that middleweight division when you're not as big or as strong as Jan, you're uh, Jan's six foot one and you're five foot nine, Jan's two hundred and twenty plus pound on fight now and you're still trying to you're still pushing that two hundred mark just to try and get a little bit extra on your opponent and he, with Israel and his takedown defense you're not going to be able to tack him down as easy and Robert Whittaker uh, was able to prove that fact tonight, he, he it wasn't no secret and he wasn't keeping it no secret he trained heavily in wrestling this camp for Israel Adesanya. Did it pay out for him? In my personal opinion, it didn't. Uh, he wasn't able to get him down, and the two or three times when he did get him down, Israel Adesanya was, was back to his feet enough to where I wouldn't class it as a significant takedown. A, a takedown, yeah, a significant takedown, no. He wasn't able to move to or advance to a better position or control the fight uh, or, or a control of position it might have been putting him up against the fence, but in a championship fight, you can't really score the fight of going, yeah, he controlled Israel Asanya up against the fence, but Israel Asanya is defending the takedown. So in that sort of sense, who's winning that? Is it the champion who's defending the takedown or is it the opponent who's putting the champion up against the cage? It's it's a hard one to, to score. So um, in the way as what I spoke about Brunson, being so uh, lacklustre and not being as heavy in the wrestling. Um, I think that's what Robert Whitaker sort of did, and especially with his coaches, when they were telling him that he needs to pressure more, especially with uh, the one, one three, and then the level change. They wanted to see more singles and more double legs and just um, put it down to confidence or just put it down to just how good Israel Adesanya's takedown defence was. Uh, Certain points Robert Whitaker just gave up on the old wrestling game plan and just gone I just need to to stand and bang with this guy and And take it back to the Aussie way You're right and What what a great fight
2: it was for for MMA fans what a great fight and kind of like a spectacle it was for Antipodean uh, fighters uh, Australian, New Zealand Um, Yeah, just an amazing performance and a little bit of a fun fact uh, at the the first time that yes. these two guys fought uh, back in Melbourne, Tata Vassa was uh, on that card as well, and he got beat um, by submission to, to Sergei Spivak on that day. So what a uh, what a transition there for for Tata Vassa.
3: And now he's in talk Well, in my opinion, he's definitely going to be the next one uh, challenging Inghani for that title. Inghani's still at UFC. Yep, so that essentially wraps up um,
2: UFC 271, uh, but it's not the end of, of UFC. Uh, there's a massive, massive long run all the way through till that uh, mid-May. I think we've got UFC every weekend, and this uh, this next weekend coming up, uh, one of probably the most cursed cards in recent memory. Uh, UFC Fight Night was meant to be headlined by Rafael dos Anjos versus uh, 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 Rafael Fiziev. That got cancelled. Um, Ilya Latifi versus Alexander Romanov got cancelled. Corey McKenna versus Elise Reid got cancelled. Uh, Mohamed Mokayev versus Cody Derda got cancelled. So we're now being headlined by Johnny Walker taking on Jamal Hill. Um, but still, that's it. It's still a, a yeah. decent card. Because you've got Carl Dorcas versus Julian Marquez jim miller's on the card uh uh wacky buckley's on the card so still gonna be entertaining card uh, so tune in uh to five rounds next week uh for that uh but yeah that's pretty much all from us so uh let's do the uh, the the promotions and then let's get out of here. so first of all Go and check out all the rest of the content on the, the networks that we are so proud to be involved with. That's here on Chair Show, that's here on Radio Techers, and obviously that's here on uh, Visionaries Global Media. You can follow me at uh, Podfather Max. follow Carlos here at Kurt underscore Carlos, and follow the show at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, yeah, and, uh, thank you all for listening, and that is the end. Adiós, amigos. Oh, it's good to hear that again. <laughs>
1: Thechairshot.com. Always use your head.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off